0: We have an interesting message today. The question today is going to be, "What do you smell like?" Yeah. what do you smell like? You know, you can, you can do this.. You know check yourself out. You, I'm, take your forearm, stick it up to your nose. What do you, just, what do you smell? Some people say, dial." Some people say, "skin so soft." Some people say, "I don't know, I don't smell anything. Some people may say, and probably, I hope there's nobody in here. Some people say, that, phew, I don't smell so good. What do you smell like? We're going to look at that today. Um, I think, you know, <laughs> I'm, um, I'm a little emotional today. And so I want you to bear with me as I go through this. I'm I'm really very emotional. I don't want to make you sad. You know, just as if I, you know, if I break down and boohoo, just you got one or two choices. You could either boohoo with me, or uh, you can just sit there and pray for me. Either way, either way, I'm happy. Just don't don't get uncomfortable and leave, because. Uh, I think I know why. I'm emotional. And gosh, I just, you know, we we want transparency and honesty here and accountability. And I'm I'm transparent and accountable to you. I'm kind of having a little renaissance in my life, okay? Spiritual renaissance. That's kind of like a French word for revival. But I like renaissance better because renaissance is like, it's a revival of something that starts and it just goes on. You know, it just doesn't die out. See, God's really dealt with me very strongly in the last few weeks about... He's only called my attention. Jesus has told me I only got to do two things. That is to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, and might, And my neighbor is myself. That's all. (laughs) Y'all, that is my job description from this point forward. I don't... I have... I have nothing else to do. I have been released from every other constraint, every other demand, every other expectation. That doesn't mean that I'm a bum, but it means that I've got to do two things. And as long as I do those two things, everything else is going to take place that needs to. Now, my prayer for you is that, and I know some of you are already, some of you are experiencing spiritual renaissance. I talk to you. I feel it. I, you know, when we hug or when you come into the room, I, I can sense that. You call me. You talk to me. You text me. And, and, and you know, I believe that many of you are experiencing some of the same things. But I tell you, I'm crying a lot lately. I've learned my tear ducts work again. Yeah. Because for a long time, they didn't work so good. Yeah. Are you there? And I like it like this. I kind of like my tear ducts working like they ought to. But you see, at every turn, in every corner, every place, every person, every situation... I just I'm feeling Jesus. And I don't you know the, the only way I know to make that to make that contagious is just to love you. And 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 whether or not, you know, I love you or I love somebody else, whether or not the people that I love respond to that to receive that or whether it ignites or inspires or does something in them you know that's between them and the Lord, but my responsibility is just to love people. I don't have anything else to do. And I want to talk to you this morning about something. And uh, you, know, I, you know, it may be a short thing, it may not be a short thing. I don't know, but I'm going to talk to you from right in here. Is that okay? Just just from right in here, just right in here. Let's let's look at this scripture, Second Corinthians nine. Uh, Pastor Janie, do you have any idea what HCSB stands for? Mm-hmm. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's... Holman's. I thought it was Holman's. Holman's Christian Standard Bible. Okay, that's what I, I, I was thinking. That what that's what it might be. Okay, this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. Now you remember. No, 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 this is good. It's okay. It's okay. Because we probably got ten different versions with people with Bibles in their laps. Today. It's okay. This will just be number 11. We can all compare. Look, this will just be the, uh, this will be the uh, comparison stuff, okay? You know, the, the church at Corinth was the, was the probably or one of the most uh, spiritually gifted churches on record. They did, they did good stuff. A lot of people look at 1 Corinthians like Paul chastising them. But really, he wasn't chastising them. He was encouraging them in the proper way to do things, okay? And how to how to expand on what God had already done. And that's kind of what I think. That's kind of like what we're doing, you know. I'd like to think that way, anyhow. Just expanding on what God is doing, and and we're learning from each other, okay? We're learning from each other. So Paul wrote him a a letter, and then he wrote him this one. And and by the way, for those of you who really study your Bible and biblical history, this is probably the third epistle that he wrote to the church at Corinth. There's actually evidence in uh, 1 Corinthians that he had sent them a former letter. Okay, so this is probably the third. You know, so. But it, 2 Corinthians in our Bible, and I'm good with that. Is everybody good with that? Don't really know and don't really worry too much about what the other one was about. It was for this purpose I wrote, so I may know your proven character, If you are obedient in everything. Next slide. Okay. You know I didn't know my my Bible either. For when I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ a door was opened to me by the Lord. I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find my brother Titus. But I said goodbye to them and left for Macedonia. But thanks be to God who always puts us on display in Christ and spreads through us in every place the scent of knowing Him. For to God we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To some we are a scent of death leading to death. But to others, a scent of life leading to life. And who is competent, or who is sufficient? I think the King James says this. Who is sufficient for this? For we are not like the many who make a trade in God's message for profit, but as those with sincerity, we speak in Christ as from God and before God. Okay, let's go back to verse 9. Let's start. Let's just pray for just a second. Lord Jesus, here I am. Here we are. And uh, Lord, we come to learn from you. And we come to be a blessing, first of all, to you. And second, to, uh, to those you've put us in relationship with and those we love. So we're asking you, God, to just do something in each of us today. Say what we need to hear. Let it be loud and clear. And let us be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go to verse 10. Now, this is probably a reference. He talks about forgiveness here. This is probably a reference to a situation that had developed in the Corinthian church back in 1 Corinthians. And they talk about forgiveness. Um, Probably... The greatest characteristic you can have, other than displaying the character and the nature of Jesus through love, the second thing would probably be forgiveness. And then if you want to come right down to it, forgiveness simply is it's a, it's a, it's another characteristic or aspect of love that is set in motion once you begin to love people. Now let me say this. Forgiving people sometimes is hard. Have you found that to be true? Forgiving people is hard. Sometimes it is through a process of years that we actually come to the place where we can forgive those who have wronged us the most. Sometimes we go through a process of years before we can forgive people for their actions. You know, and sometimes it's not a matter of a person or a situation offending us. We might be offended and withhold forgiveness of a situation that we just see out there somewhere. Uh, Someone who has a strong sense of injustice may have a hard time forgiving those who are unjust. And we had a guy come into the Savannah group last night from um, a church over in Springfield. And we prophesied over him, and the Lord revealed that he had a strong sense, or he reacted strongly to injustice. You know, strongly to injustice. And when a person has a characteristic of that way, then it can really be, and I'm not saying this was him, because it's not, okay? But I'm just making a statement, a commentary beyond that. When a person has a strong sense of social injustice, sometimes we can become offended and, in a, in a maybe kind of in a, in a good way because we have the sense of injustice, but sometimes that offense becomes really unhealthy. Sometimes, and I, I believe there are such things as good offenses. For example, you know, when I read the word and God steps on my toes a little bit, I get mad with Him sometimes. He offends me, but you know, it's good for me. I get over it eventually. So, Paul said. Now, to whom you forgive anything, I do too. I think that, and really this statement here is is a statement that I really haven't understood a lot. But what I'm seeing working at this part in this passage of Scripture is, is a sense of corporate forgiveness. We release the anointing of God in situations where we forgive when we've been wronged, either you know, unjustly. But we as a body, it, when we all begin to participate and to walk in that, there is, there is something that transpires and the corporate anointing for unforgiveness and the effect that it has in the life of our church, our body, our home, our community, our neighborhood, that gets so strong and there's I believe God honors that. And so Paul says, Whatever you forgive, I forgive. For what I have forgiven, if I've forgiven anything, it is for you in the presence of Christ so that we may not be taken advantage of by Satan, for we're not ignorant of his intentions. What he's saying is, I'm agreeing with you. Whatever's been forgiven, I forgive in Christ. I may not understand it. I may not thoroughly can grasp what all's going on, but because you, As the body have chosen to forgive, I forgive also, regardless of my preconditioned ideas and notions. I'm going to forgive it because you did. And I'm going to do it for Christ's sake. That's a cool thing. That's a cool thing. It's like, I'm going to love you if you're loving me. I'm going to love you anyway, of course. But sometimes I'm going to love you in spite of myself. Because if there's a lack of love on my part, it's my fault, not yours. Okay? That's just the way that works. But he is saying here, we're going to have a clean slate. And I do this for you in the presence of my Lord. So that the enemy will not take advantage of us through a lack of it. Because we're not ignorant of his devices. Did you know the enemy is a tricky devil? He is a schemer, a conniver. He has devices and snares and traps. I was thinking about this earlier this week. I had a conversation with the person and they're not here. (laughs) Don't try to figure out who this is. Uh, They're not a member here. But I had a phone call this week from someone and we were talking about an issue in their life. And the issue that came up was this person wanted counsel concerning an anger issue in their life. Anybody anybody ever got mad? Yeah. Well, this was kind of an unhealthy mad. Okay? And this person didn't like what happened when they got angry. And as we begin to converse and talk about that, I had a a revelation of something that can help us, okay? As we were talking, I got to thinking, okay, when the enemy begins to set in motion a scheme, when he begins to set a trap for us. Based on our weakness. And every single one of us have weaknesses in particular areas. Where your area of weakness is may not be mine. okay? But I got weakness too. You got one. This particular person, their chief area, their issue at the moment was one of anger. I got to thinking. The enemy sets a trap with that. He sets up a series of circumstances that will cause this person to, to fall into a trap that triggers an, an angry response that hurts not only the people around this person, but also hurts this person as well. Probably it hurt that person worse than it hurt the people around them. Okay? So as we were talking on the phone, God gave me a... I I think it was a revelation. And I'm going to share it with you, and you'll have to be the judge of that. The enemy sets a trap in order to cause us to respond a particular way. Now... The enemy's going to be setting traps in your life regardless. And you need to understand when one has been triggered. And you're going to step into them. And you're going to give occasion for the enemy's traps and schemes in your life to come to fruition. But when he sets a trap, and when you step into it, or when you approach it, or when you breach the trigger, and he's wanting you to respond one way, there needs to be an automatic defense mechanism that goes off in our spirit and say, okay, he wants me to get mad here. I have an opportunity to get mad. Now, this has got to happen real quick, okay? You've got to recognize that he's setting traps for you, that it's not this person. It's really the enemy that's setting up a situation. And so, he wants me to become, in this case, angry. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to react a different way than be angry. What would be the opposite of anger? Happy. Uh, maybe ignore it. What else? Huh? Okay, love and forgiveness. Let's do one, and everybody kind of would, would respond in a different way. And the way you responded wouldn't necessarily be wrong. It would be what be right for you. That would be your response. What if, okay, here's a good one. Here's a good one. What if we see our neighbor who lives in eh, a little bit better house than we do? have a little better wardrobe than we do you know they keep their yard prettier than ours and so we're seeing this and we're living with them and around them every day and we go outside the house one afternoon and they come driving up in a brand new car or truck let's let's call it okay guys let's call it a truck and they've got a trailer hitch on it so they can pull their boat down to the river And I become, the enemy sets a trap through that and I begin to think and I become jealous of what what this person, my neighbor has. What would be a response other than jealousy? Blessing. Happy rejoicing. One of the things I want to propose to you this morning is when you identify your weak areas where the enemy sets a trap for you over and over and over again and you find yourself going into a vicious cycle Of whatever it is. It could be anger. It could be jealousy. It could be any any response to any situation, any person. It could even be against God. Whatever he's pushing your button on today. And he pushed yesterday. When he does it the next time, respond backwards. Because he has a backwards kingdom. And he has a backwards perverted agenda. And it's always... Opposite of what God wants to do, but it's never equal to what God is doing. And so whenever you're faced with a situation where your trigger's pulled, respond oppositely, than the enemy wants you to respond. And you know what? You're demonstrating that you're not ignorant to his devices and you're going to cause him great confusion. You're going to mess up his plan. Second thing that's going to happen is your life is going to improve. Now, you can't do this in the power of your own flesh. You've got to do this in the power of the Spirit. Trying to just make a decision that's not going to work. You've got to access the God who lives in you to give you the discernment and the spiritual acumen to realize what the enemy's doing in your life and then just say, God, give me the strength to act differently. Counter to what I would ordinarily respond to in the natural Okay, and that's kind of what's going on here. Is that, is that good counsel? I need to know. Okay, it's good counsel. Thank you, Jesus. It wasn't me, that was Him. For we are not ignorant of His intentions. Probably one of the greatest uh, detriments to the church, the body of Christ today, the Lord's people, is that we are so ignorant of what the enemy's doing. I'm not going to participate with it anymore. not going to participate with it anymore. And you don't participate with him when you act opposite the way he wants you to act. Okay, next slide. Let's go to the next slide. When I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ, a door was opened to me by the Lord. Now, there's a second thing I want to talk about here. First thing was the power of corporate agreement. In this case, it was forgiveness. Second thing is, we respond exactly opposite because, see, in Corinth, the enemy, when this situation came in, the enemy didn't want any forgiveness. And so the church responded and they went into a, a biblical process where everything was worked out and forgiven so they escaped the snare of the enemy. Okay, now beyond that, he said, When I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ, a door was opened to me by the Lord. Hmm. You, I'd like to camp out right here. But I'm, just going, I'm going to take just a few scattered comments. Paul in his apostolic ministry, in his apostolic commission, if you look at his writings, you'll see that he was a person who actually was able to understand when doors were opened and when doors were closed. God would open a door here and he'd want to go one direction and God would close the door. So you can't go there, go this way. And he responded to that appropriately. Now, when we begin to respond appropriately to the doors that God is opening for us, when we begin to be able to recognize and discern an open door and we go through it, the gospel of Jesus is going to expand and take effect and ministry will grow. I will be the very first to confess that I have in the past tried to open doors, manufacture portals of my own, and it's not worked. Every time I have tried to do that in the past, I have met with misery and failure. Which I rebuked because I thought it was the devil, but all the time it was the Lord. We have got to be more discerning. Does anybody kind of want to share with me how you know a door's been opened? What's the difference between walking through a door that the Lord has opened... And and trying to walk through one you've manufactured on you. What would be what would be some of the differences there? And this is applicable in your personal life too. Yep. Yeah. Good. Right. So it's scriptural, and there's a reward there. What else? Uh, ah. Yeah. 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 It's easier, and the results are better than what you'd expect. And you walk, and you, what? Yeah, yeah, normally, yep, yeah, it's always the opposite. And then you, you, as you walk through this door that is... So incredibly easy to walk through. And you're thinking, you're you're, you're amazed at the environment and the scenery. And you're amazed at the people God hooks you up with. You're amazed at those divine encounters that come along the way. You're amazed that when you open a door of opportunity. The anointing that is released in your life simply through obedience and keen discernment. There is an anointing released that you can't fail. And, 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 huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so our expectations will never really meet up with what God's intentions and what His perfect plan is. Okay? It it leaves you. I listen. It gets, I, when it happens, I'm just totally amazed and dumbfounded. You know, you just you, you sort of feel, you feel like Gomer Pyle, Golly Sergeant. You know, there is a there is a spiritual lesson to be learned by Gomer Pyle, and that is. He was born to be a Marine. That was his life's ambition. God opened the door. Regardless of all of his other stuff, God opened the door for him into the Marine Corps. And everywhere he turned was a sense of wonder and appreciation. And golly, Sergeant. You know, God wants you to have that expression every day. Golly, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, am I right or am I wrong? That's the, that's the normal experience that God wants you to have in terms of your ministry and your life. Absolute total amazement. Golly, Jesus. But The second thing I want you to see about this is this. is When he came to Troas for the gospel of Christ and a door was opened to him to minister there, it's an interesting, it's not a contradiction here, But it's an interesting thing that happened. He said, I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find my brother Titus. But I said goodbye to them and left Macedonia. Not that he was turning his back on a door that had been opened, Okay? Because that door was still open. And he did a work while he was there. You can't think he just, he walked in one day and couldn't find Titus and turned around and walked out the next. That's really not what happened. But he went through this door. He was grateful and appreciative of it. But there was something lacking in there in the form of another gift and another anointing that he needed to have in order that he'd have rest in his spirit. He needed his brother Titus and he left there and he went to Macedonia to find Titus. The doors that God opens for you and the blessings that comes your way because of an open heaven and because you're discerning what what the way of the Lord is in your life. (laughs) when you go through that door and it feels so great and so wonderful, I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to stay there by yourself and you're not going to accomplish the fullness of your purpose that God has opened the door in your life concerning until you hook up with people God needs you to hook up with. Okay. In other words, it is a team effort. And one of the things we emphasize here is the critical nature of being able to work as a unit and as a team. The body of Christ has too many, in the past has had too many superstars. There's been too many rock stars. There's been evangelical rock stars. And I'm not not putting people down. I'm just I'm kind of telling you people, kind of the way things have worked in the body of Christ. There's been apostolic rock stars, there's been prophetic rock stars, there's been teaching rock stars. And that's not to say that everything is, is backwards and no good. What I'm telling you is. There have been people who have tried to take the anointing of God on their life and when they go through an open door, it's kind of a one-man or a one-woman show. I want nothing to do with a one-person show. Several reasons. Number one is when the spotlight is shined on me, there's always a defect. Number two, when it comes right down to it, I can't do everything I need to do. Number three, I can't do what you're called to do. See? There is a dependency that God has worked in the body of Christ that we must need each other in order for our spirits to be at rest. In order for things to work properly. In order for the full nature and character of Jesus to come out in our life. See, you know, something happens when you walk through a door and Jesus yokes you with people like Titus in your life, there's, there, there's, there's another corporate or team aspect that releases another aspect of the anointing that will allow you to fulfill the further purposes of God. And when you're tired, they can work. When you get to your wit's end, they can take over because they've got an anointing where yours stops. And so the body of Christ today, and I really think this is happening, I really think today, the body of Christ, or at least the, the, the people that I'm aware of, okay... That I'm connected with. I'm seeing a coming together. I'm seeing it across denominational lines. You know, we have... We have I'm, 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 like I said, I'm sharing my heart today. And I'm a little emotional. Let me tell you what I see. I see. We have people come in here who are Baptist and Methodist and Presbyterian and all different kinds of things. Same thing is happening in Savannah. Had folks... Last night, who was in Savannah, who'd never had prophetic ministry before, didn't even know what it was, but yet they heard a report. They came and they wanted it. Okay? They came and they wanted it. There's people today wanting it. And we need to make sure, we need to be absolutely, absolutely and total. We need to make a decision that we will receive people where they are. Because you never know when one person comes in, and, and, you know, Jesus might need to do a little work on them. But he might need to do a little work on you too. A lot of work. And so you never know when somebody comes in that Jesus just needs a little bit of time to work on them and to work on you. And then that person who's walked in that you saw needed a little work, they might be the very answer to prayer that you need. And it would be a sad thing to discount that person According to your own expectation or natural observation, y'all with me? We okay here? We need to respect each other. We need to bless each other and not curse each other. And when people come into this assembly, or when people come into your house, when people go into your office, there's one thing that they need—they need to do. And let's come. There's one thing they need to recognize. Next slide or two. But thanks be to God who always puts us on display in Christ. See you on display. Whether you like it or whether you don't. You're on display. You're on display in Jesus. And spreads through us in every place the scent of knowing Him. What's it smell like? And this is, I'm going to ask you a spiritual question. As you smell who you are today, are, are you still that old... St- thinking creature that was you that was there 15 years ago thank god i'm glad you answered no you know do you still smell like that person years ago or has your smell changed well i hope it's changed because jesus is putting you in positions so that your aroma your scent your fragrance who you are in him, and whether or not you have a relationship with him, other people who are lost and who are saved are going to be able to smell and discern and to know. Did you know people can spot a phony a mile away? (laughs) Before I just sort of digress just a moment here. Used to, whenever we first began to be exposed to prophetic ministry, you know, this business about God revealing the secrets of your heart was something that scared me to death. I was not altogether so sure I wanted people read my mail. Prophet comes into the house, or you go see or hear a prophet, and you kind of sit there like a fly on the wall, and you say, I hope he doesn't have anything to say for me. I'm just here to listen. Because I'm afraid, <laughs> I'm afraid he might smell the wrong thing. Or she may smell the wrong thing. But people are discerning. Okay, people are discerning. And genuine prophetic ministry will always build up, it'll never tear down. Okay, so just rest, rest in that reality and that truth. But nevertheless, we're always being put on display. And people are testing as to whether or not we're the real article. Now, when you have the aroma of the knowledge of Christ, When you have the aroma, when you smell like someone who's been with Jesus and you encounter these other people, watch what happens. For to God, or that is from His standpoint, we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Hold it right there. I need to look this up. My little computer went blank here. I got, I got something really cool to share with you about the wording of this stuff. Okay? This is just this is really cool. I'm going to read this out of the King James, okay? And I'll tell you what it means. Good for me. Okay, verse 14. But thanks be to God, who always, now the word always means always and evermore. Thanks be to God who always and forevermore leads us into triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance, the odor. The root Greek word odor is the prefix for the English word osmosis. I'm not a scientist. Now, some of you guys are really good science teachers and stuff. Somebody give me a a working definition of what osmosis is. Okay, water, what else? What's osmosis? Huh? That's part of it, yeah. Okay. Going from a higher concentration to a lower concentration, releasing stuff so the other thing that the osmosis process is going into will absorb what's being put out there okay we talk listen here is if you here is biblical proof biblical proof that when you walk into a room if you have the knowledge of Christ when you walk in if you know him when you walk in the room you are literally changing the atmosphere because you are releasing the odor the presence and the person of Jesus himself into the life of another individual, be be whether or not they're saved or whether or not they're unsaved. You may not know it, but God says from God's standpoint, that's exactly what's going on. Biblical evidence that we can change the atmosphere, you can change the smell in the room. Uh-huh. You can change the smell in the room. Jesus can change the smell in the room. In a spiritual context, when you as a carrier of the fragrance of Christ engages, encounters, or comes in contact with a person who is lost, the enemy will cause a response one way or another. Sometimes there's a negative response. Have you guys ever been negatively responded to by somebody who was lost? How'd that make you feel? Not real good. Okay, sometimes you feel defeated. I I I bungled that up. I didn't have really anything to say. Uh, I stumbled through my witness. They didn't receive what I had to say. Guess what? That's really no concern of yours. You did what you were called to do. You are not responsible for the, rezo- for, for the reaction and the response of somebody. You need to understand that. Because as Jesus manifests Himself, sometimes, sometimes He just wants to get through you. He wants to just get into the face and into the very core of the spirit of someone who's lost and draw out a nasty response or something that looks like failure. And that's just the response of the enemy welling up in somebody else. But you know what? That person that absorbed the fragrance of Christ, it don't go away. And so you leave a lasting deposit. They'll remember that fragrance. Sometimes they won't like it. But you know what? At some point, the deposit... Here's something to be glad about. At some point, the deposit that you make in the life of someone who is lost... The benefit of that may not be seen until after they have some encounters from a few more other people, or maybe the next person. And after a while, through the osmosis process, there is enough Jesus that is absorbed into the lives and the very beings and the soul of these people. It begins to permeate them, and it stimulates the Holy Spirit to cause them to do something. Puts them in a point of crisis, where they have to run fleeing to Jesus, or run the other way. But you're playing your part if you know Jesus and have a relationship with him. You're playing your part through the process of what God has put out there. Sometimes you give your witness, your testimony, people get saved just like that. That's the glory of it. We don't know what kind of pre-work went into that that God did in order for you to accomplish that soul. James Thornton's got gold dust all over him today. Look at him. And it's nothing he did. It's something God did. He's got a pocket full of gold dust. God did that. The anointing is on James for souls. Okay? The anointing for souls is on you. That's just manifested on James in a way that God just wanted James to know. He was thinking of him this morning. And James is going to have surgery Tuesday. James just receiving all of Jesus he can receive. That's just a blessing of James. But God wants to work souls through you too. Okay? And there is a manifest token of the anointing this morning in our presence that God's doing something. He did it right by himself. He was still doing the stuff in James, even if we couldn't see gold dust. Okay? That's the kind of point you've got to get when it deals with people who are lost. He's still working in them whether you can see it or not. And you're still the fragrance of death unto death. Now, what if you encounter uh, a brother or sister who's saved? Then, what do you smell like? How do you act? How do you respond to them? The fragrance of Christ, they're going to be able to detect too. And you're going to smell like life to them. Okay? Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. You're always going to triumph. It's interesting to me that the word here, Always and triumph, although it's interpreted out of the Greek as always and triumph, in the Greek, the word for always and triumph is exactly the same. It means to be victorious evermore. And the way that reads is this Now, thanks be unto God, which causes us to, thanks be unto God, which triumphs evermore, causes us to triumph evermore in Christ. Okay, do you see that? Read it again. Now, thanks be unto God, which always triumphs, causes us to always triumph in Christ. That's exactly the way it reads in the Greek. You know what that says? God always wins. And because God always wins, you always win. Now, I didn't write this stuff, God did. He made the script. But for those of you who are doubting God's triumph in you, You need to understand, God always triumphs. If it's a lie, He said it, and He said it in the Greek. Which originally, by the way, (laughs) the really original, original, was written in Hebrew, and I guarantee you it says the same thing in Hebrew. How about that? And makes manifest the Savior the savor of His knowledge by us in every place. For we unto God, sweet savor of Christ, and them that are saved and in them that perish. Next slide. It's okay. We're supposed to think about that, I guess. For we are unto God, a sweet savor of Christ, To some we are a sin of death leading to death. We've talked about that. But to others a sin of life leading to life. And who is competent for this? Who is sufficient for this? What Paul is trying to convey there, this is just the way I understand it. He's trying to say, I can't do this. I can't make this happen. God is sufficient for that. He's just using me as a tool or a vessel. You see, God is using you as a tool or a vessel. But you have this smell. You have this odor about you. And it is detectable in the Spirit. Okay. uh, Whatever. To the one we are the savor of death unto death. And to the other the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God. And actually, that's, that's, that means that uh, we're not the ones who corrupt it for profit. God. But as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. God help the body of Christ not to tolerate those who would profit from the word of the Lord. But God bless those who would receive their wage according to the word of God. As one like the ox who treads out the corn not to be deprived of it. But as of sincerity... And that's not saying that people aren't to be paid for their ministry. What that is saying is motive. But as of God and the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Next slide. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. Now, go back to the other. I wasn't where I wanted to go. It's okay. I think, I think, I'm, I think I'm about done anyway. I think that's probably a signal that I'm about finished. Oh God Lord we just ask you to always let us smell what we've been with Jesus Lord in the knowledge that we gain of you Let it permeate the atmosphere and that it would work out in us Lord what you want it to work out and in others what needs to be worked out right now Lord I pray for the people who are lost who are going to be encountered by people you say. That they would smell you in your people and that the proper response would be drawn out. Of it. But my cry today is for those who go into your presence to spread that through osmos- spiritual osmosis to the people who've never been in your presence and that a holy jealousy transpire and that the lost people would want what your people have that people who are in need would see you and other people to the place where they would want to be like them which means they really want to be like you Lord I just don't know what to ask for other than that Lord give us give us spiritual discernment to see the doors that are open to us and show us the people Lord, show me the people for me that you want me to be in relationship with in order that we can accomplish what you want to accomplish. I pray that for every person in here in Jesus' name that as you go through your door of opportunity in whatever your destiny and calling is that God would cause you to recognize and know the value and the benefit of being in relationship with other people who can help accomplish the purpose of God in you. I I, I just declare that over you in Jesus' name. I pray, dear God, that we never, ever, ever become a one-man or a one-woman show. That we always recognize our dependency on you and on each other. And our strength would never be determined by what we can do in the flesh but our strength would be determined by how much we rely on you how much we need you because in our weakness you're strong and when we're weak you're strong that the power of Christ might rest in us Lord there's so much so much that you want each person in here to do and it's attainable so we rest in you no more struggle no more strife no more contending vainly contending for what we expect Lord we simply receive what you have for us to receive we contend God for what you want us to have Our heart with the things that break the heart of God. Work in us, God. The freshness, the renaissance. Lord, and for those here who are already there and have far surpassed that and have been living and walking in that, oh God, thank you for them. Thank you for, for their life. Thank you for their encouragement, Lord, and may they share that with us so we can be encouraged. Person, Lord, who who's struggled with this, who's tripped up and snared, I just ask you, Your God, to sink deep into their spirit and give them strategies, godly strategies, how You want things done, so that they won't be spirit